Okay, I'm going to get into that second segment with uh, Restaurant Workers Council Diego and Jesus. Uh, kind of clunky uh, where I split it. Uh, my apologies. I am a work in progress when it comes to working with all of that. Uh, but, but again, they're going to be covering, uh, kind of going over their uh, uh, general uh, meeting, excuse me, and uh, what's going on with them. That's going to run the rest of this segment, half hour of the show. Thank you. Uh, uh, Horizon here. Uh, right. So, uh, well, this kind of dovetails into the conversation that we were having previously, but one of the things that we did uh which, which of course does relate to the labor shortage. It's very hard to disentangle these issues. Mm -hmm. The supposed labor shortage, it's very difficult to disentangle these issues um, sometimes. But one, uh, one of the things that we, um, uh, one of the resolution, excuse me, a program that was approved unanimously by the general, uh, uh, <clears throat> the general body meeting of, the, uh, of our group, the Restaurant Workers Council, is uh, a program on the issue of um, undocumented Immigrants. Uh, diciendo que uno, uh, uno de los resultados de nuestra reunión de cuerpo general fue que aprobamos unánimemente uh, un programa alrededor del asunto de trabajadores uh, indocumentados. And so for us, this, uh, we think it's essential that um, undocumented workers have uh, an equal wage for equal work, that uh, a workers' union demand that employers do not cooperate with ICE and do everything to make that a reality, including stopping work. We believe that there will be a time when any attack on undocumented workers will result in just work stoppages in entire industries. We intend to make that happen. Uh, that we're in favor of uh, overturning the Immigration Re Reform and Control Act, which uh, it should be pointed out, the AFL-CIO in uh, 1986 was actually in favor of uh, its passage. Uh, this law makes it, um, uh, makes it necessary for the bosses to uh, uh, essentially check papers, turning them into an uh, arm of immigration enforcement. And it also gives them the possibility to threaten to check papers whenever they're uh, confronted with a worker who is particularly unruly. Uh, we're in favor of the overturn of the Hoffman decision, which uh, is a Supreme Court decision that uh, made uh, workers who had been illegally fired or re illegally retaliated against uh, not eligible to receive um, uh, uh, remedies like uh, being rehired or receiving back pay. Uh, we think that uh, all workers should have health insurance and uh, paid leave, particularly in pandemic times. This has become particularly clear. And uh, like we hinted at before, uh, we think uh, undocumented workers should be eligible for uh, unemployment insurance. Uh, uh, go ahead. All those things you point out, and again, the um, pandemic, um, uh, uh, my analogy for the pandemic is that we, we were sitting on a, a foundation of sand and the pandemic was the wave that came in and uh, washed it out. I mean, we, right, we, many we all knew the weakness of the system and mm -hmm. uh, uh, be it the lack of, you, know, you brought up the lack of health insurance, uh, health care. Right? I would rather move towards a health care system than health insurance myself. I, I think ultimately that's what we'll need. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I take one, you know, over nothing. Uh, again, the exploitation, uh, the use of, uh, by the bosses uh, to pervert their uh, supply and demand uh, axiom uh, by instead of, uh, paying more for that labor supply. Uh, they just find those who they can exploit, be it undocumented workers, uh, the use, like you said, the use of low wages to basically make overtime uh, an essential uh, factor for a living wage uh, right. uh, with uh, a paid leave. Um, not only during pandemic times, but uh, 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 to reap the benefits of the times we live in, Diego and Jesus. They, I mean, uh, uh, we're squandering. We're to me, we're just squandering uh, all these possibilities of a more uh, humane, productive life if we uh, if we if we don't move this forward. Right. Um, John está diciendo que uh, en estos momentos de pandemia uh, parece ser que uh, si no hacemos nada estamos 
eh, gastando un, una oportunidad para realmente cambiar las cosas. Um, yeah, I would say that that's absolutely true. I mean, on the one hand, uh, I think we can we can forgive many people for. Uh, we do need to fight, but it's also very clear that it's a very long and a very hard road. Mm -hmm. And when it's been, I don't know, nearly a century since we've had a genuine fighting labor movement mm -hmm. in this country, we can, um, uh, I, I think we can forgive a lot of workers for not realizing uh, that that's existed and that's a necessity and that that's possible. Uh, just because there hasn't been an example you can point to for a very, very, very long time in this country. Diego. Sí. Yo creo que lo principal que la pandemia nos enseñó en general en todo el país, no solo en el área de los restaurantes, fue la desigualdad que existe ¿verdad? Uh -huh. entre los trabajadores indocumentados y los trabajadores que tienen documentos. Uh -huh. Y entonces esa, creo que esa parte fue la que nos obligó a nosotros a pues, organizarnos y ver de qué forma podemos ayudar. Right. A, ambos sector, a ambos sectores, no solo a los que tienen documentos o los que no tienen documentos. Eso es lo que más me motivó, me motivó a mí del proyecto, mm -hmm. porque es un proyecto que está, eh, está abierto para todo, no importa si tiene, para, right. si tiene documentos o no tiene documentos. Entonces, la parte esa fue la que tratar de conseguir pues, la igualdad entre todos los trabajadores, pues que sea un proyecto, que sea algo para, si conseguimos un beneficio, que sea para todos. Digamos, conseguimos right. un aumento de salario va a ser para todos, no solo para los que tienen documentos o, lo para, o para los que no tienen documentos. Mm -hmm. Right. As you were saying that another thing that um, uh, was brought up by this pandemic is, is the, the, the uh, lack of equal right for undocumented workers. He says that um, our eagerness to fight for it is, is something that uh, drew him to the organization. Um, to transform these conditions and, and fighting together, I think it's, it's absolutely uh, crucial that uh, if we win a wage increase, it's for everyone. Mm -hmm. That um, when we uh, fight for fundamental rights, it's for every worker, that we're open to uh, organizing uh, any worker that uh, uh, sees a need with us to uh, build a union for the restaurant industry. That, that's, that's very key as well. Um, speaking of which, relating to our conversation about overtime, actually. Yes, um, go ahead. We had talked about how a low hourly wage can um, essentially compel uh, someone to work more than 40 hours a week and just mm. essentially erodes this uh, uh, very important historical gain of the labor movement. Uh, we find that at least undocumented workers in New York and uh, even documented ones in New York, sometimes we, we don't get paid over time. Nobody gets paid over time. Uh, uh, you even seen arrangements sometimes where uh, workers get paid by the day. So it's like a 19th century labor arrangement where a worker will get a flat fee for the day and, and the boss has no interest in sending them home at any time uh, for any reason. I mean, uh, this is another thing that I think is contributing to the labor shortage. Está diciendo que uh, hablando sobre nuestra discusión de la escasez de uh, mano de obra, y también de la situación de los trabajadores indocumentados. Vemos que uh, muchos trabajadores, especialmente los indocumentados, uh, uh, no reciben uh, pago por tiempo extraordinario. Así que hasta hay situaciones en que un trabajador gana uh, un uh, sueldo pagado por día. Es decir, que su jefe no tiene ningún inter interés en mandarle a casa por cualquier razón. Pasa también, oh, go ahead, Jesús. Pasa también, Diego, que muchas veces con eso del pago extraordinario, que cuando uno, a veces uno quiere hacer eh, tiempo extra, la, la empresa no lo deja hacer. El jefe le dice, no. Por ejemplo, en mi trabajo, en, en mi caso, te dan 40 horas. Si tú, si tú te pasas un poquito más, te, te tienes problemas. Entonces, uh -huh. cuando, ellos, cuando el, el jefe te necesita, ahí sí puedes meter el tiempo extra que tú quieres. Uh -huh como que juegan de con tu necesidad. Right. Another thing is, um, he was saying that uh, sometimes when you want overtime, they won't give it to you. <laughs> uh, and, and so, and sometimes, like, uh, Jesus is saying that, that this happens where he works, but this has happened to me too, where if you get, like, 10 minutes overtime, half an hour overtime, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. Pero luego lo que pasa es que porque uh, no ganas bastante en muchos casos, Uh, solo trabajando 40 horas es que tienes que conseguir un segundo trabajo y en ese caso estás efectivamente 
trabajando una semana laboral de más de 40 horas. Estás trabajando objetivamente, tiempo extraordinario, pero no se paga así. Exactly. What happens in that case is uh, you have to get a second job if you can't make overtime. Right. At that point, the 40-hour work week is, is so far out the window, anyone can hardly remember it. You are objectively working overtime. You're working more than 40 hours a week. Right. But you're not seeing any of that money. I think this is something that, that's contributing this intensity of work. Uh, this this lengthening of the working day is something that's considered uh, contributing to this like so-called uh, labor shortage. There are a lot of factors as, as well uh, that we've been looking into that we've been talking about. Uh, for example, I saw um, one restaurateur uh, in an article talking about how a lot of the people that he had used to employ had actually left the city or just had just left the city to go work elsewhere. Um, another thing that you can look at is how... Uh, Two million people, almost all women, have just left the labor force. Of course, not actually left the labor force. This is just a, a designation that, that the U.S. government uses. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily correct. We have two million people that have supposedly left the labor force. Almost all of them are women. Um, almost all of uh, job loss, many, many job losses during the pandemic have been uh, falling especially hard on women. And uh, many of the job gains uh, made since the beginning of the pandemic have gone more heavily towards men. This has uh, uh, had the effect of, of driving working women back into the home, often to have to care for loved ones, for family. Uh, we see that uh, it's very possible that many of these workers just can't return to work because they have to, uh, they have to take care of family, whatever. Otro efecto que vemos es que hay millones de personas que han efectivamente salido del mercado laboral. La mayoría han sido mujeres y la mayoría de, de, de trabajos recuperados desde el principio de la pandemia han sido uh, uh, trabajadores de uh, trabajos que ocupan, uh, están ocupados actualmente por hombres. Y eso vemos que, uh, que hay mucha gente que... Uh, Seguramente no puede volver al trabajo porque siguen uh, teniendo que cuidar por uh, familiares. That's another aspect um, that I don't think is adequately mentioned. Another thing is that uh, <clears throat> some businesses are just losing in competition with other ones for the same uh, labor force. That's another thing we're seeing. Like uh, you see wages and transportation and uh, similar industries have just uh, gone up considerably. Uh, whereas um, uh, work in restaurants has just remained the same in a lot of cases in terms of wages. And so many workers have just gone and found jobs in other sectors or they found other jobs that pay better. Uh, this is just, uh, in this case, the complaint almost seems to be from the perspective of um, a small capitalist who perhaps isn't that good at running a business. Uh, complaining that they're they're losing in competition to just slightly larger capital. There's no need for. <laughs> I don't think there's any need to. Uh, why drive down wages? Well, it, it, to, because it, uh, you know it's almost like serfdom. I mean, it's like well, how dare they leave, right? You know, they were, they were right. I mean, were they indentured? Uh, you know, uh, so, right. And you know, and uh, I mean, again, so many of these problems. I mean, the cup was poured. You know, the cup was poured, Diego and Jesus. Um, and you know, you had uh, uh, food service jobs where you had where workers, uh, frontline workers. Uh, for these corporations were signing non-competitive clauses like you, you couldn't go from uh taco bell to mcdonald's uh and, and but you know with the pandemic uh kind of uh, uh pulled the rug on under the that uh and you're gonna know this gonna be it's gonna be some interesting times because um right now in the field i'm working at um uh uh in the education field i'm transitioning out of the laborers at my age um And uh, the uh, the food service around here is is encroaching on what they're paying for um, uh, some of the positions in these school districts, mm. and uh, and you're seeing it with um, uh, positions not filled day in day out. Right. You know, you know a, a 50 a 50 staff school might have uh, four or five uh, open positions every every day of the week. Right. 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 Um, John está diciendo que uh, 
donde vive él, por ejemplo, hay competencia entre sectores por los mismos trabajadores y ve que en efecto uh, que hay posiciones públicas que uh, van sin uh, contratar a nadie porque hay competencia de otros sectores. And you talked about it's been, and I don't blame workers at all, but you're right. I mean, a uh, hundred years, it's been a century since we had a, a militant, you know, uh, labor uh, movement in the United States. Uh, and to me, it was at a time when we had a greater uh, social cohesion in a way. We had uh, more expressions of solidarity. Uh, we lost that. Uh, and then as we went into uh, less than a hundred years ago, as uh, union density declined, Uh, I call it we uh, lost our muscle memory. So we, we have fewer and fewer uh, households in America, families, uh, however you want to describe it, that have any union connection. So, so many generations ago, uh, there were more people that would never cross a picket line, even right, if right, right. in a union. Because, I mean, the way I put it, again, real simplified, is that you cross that picket line, you know, you might lose your seat at the Thanksgiving table. I mean, you know, that was, that was religion to a lot of families was... Right. Union, uh, but with the density decreasing, uh, uh, I've I interviewed someone that was involved with the organizing effort at Ellen's, you know, the famous Ellen Stardust Diner, and uh, they had a hard time getting those people to uh, go somewhere else to eat, and they just was, and their response was, well, if you don't like this job, uh, why don't you find another job? You know, it's. Uh, Uh, again, that, uh, that lack of muscle memory that, you know, uh, uh, it, no one's, you, you're not learning that you don't cross a picket line. Right. I mean, the funny thing is now that everyone has gone and found another job. Yeah, right. All the yeah. same people. Right. <laughs> well, not everyone, but many people right. have actually gone and found another job. Right. Like that at all. Um, John estaba hablando sobre como uh, uh, ha sido casi 100 años en este país este, que tenemos un movimiento laboral que realmente sea combativo. Uh, tenemos uh, décadas en que la tasa sindical, uh, de sindicalización ha estado bajándose. Hay mucha gente que, que, que uh, no, eh, no tiene un conocimiento básico sobre las tareas de un sindicato. Uh, hace muchos años había gente que se sabía como si fuera religión que uno no cruza una línea de piquete. Uh, esto es un conocimiento que no tiene la gente ahora. Sí, yo pienso que eso falta mucha educación de la gente. Mm. La gente cree que una unión solo es para beneficios y para que voy a conseguir esto, que me van a pagar tanto, pero también es una, una unión es para una lucha. Si se consigue un beneficio, no es gratis que se ha conseguido. Muchos beneficios de los que han, se han conseguido a nivel mundial han costado sangre personas muertas en los países, se ve como la gente, las protestas y todo eso por ejemplo ahora mismo en Colombia todo lo que se está viendo eso no es gratis, si ellos consiguen algo va a ser por todo el esfuerzo que han hecho entonces como que falta mucha educación también mucha gente cuando escucha unión o sindicato como que le da miedo más los, los latinos indocumentados se preocupan más por su trabajo y no les importa las condiciones a mí me pagan 15, me dan 10 horas de trabajo, está bien, estoy feliz no me importa conseguir nada más de lo que ya tengo. Hmm. You said that there, there, there are two aspects. Um, on the one hand, uh, people need a lot of education, true, about unions. Uh, he says that a lot of people think of it as something where you just join and you get uh, a certain amount of benefits. You might uh, get a little more money. You might uh, uh, get a little more health insurance. But he said that one thing that people don't forget, that people do forget and shouldn't rather, is that uh, a union is, is a really a fighting body. It's the basic organization of workers that everything that um, has been won by them has been won uh, by shedding blood. Nothing has ever come without sacrifice. Uh, on a global level, everything that workers have has been fought for and won. Uh, he says that you, you see this all in, in Colombia right now at the moment, yes. that, that everything that, 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 that uh, The people have and workers in particular have is is one through struggle another thing is that um certain people uh they hear the word union and they're afraid for their jobs yes uh, this does reflect on the one hand an objective reality of the relative weakness of undocumented workers uh especially unorganized in this country uh but that uh people are uh, afraid to fight for more than what they have currently 
sometimes. They think like I'm uh, lucky to have this job. I get um, his words like 15 an hour, 10 hours a day. I'm happy for this. I don't need anything else. I mean, one, uh, Jesus is pointing to something really interesting that I think uh, we write about before, uh, we've written about before, is that uh, we know that the working class in the United States is international. Uh, this is inescapable, particularly in the restaurant industry. Uh, one of the particularities of our sector is that um, Whereas uh, a militant labor movement for some of us in the United States might be a distant memory, something that exists in the pages of history books for many of us. Uh, <clears throat> we get to learn from the experience of workers that come from countries where uh, the labor movement is very strong, right. where it fights very hard, where you know, that, that is not a historical memory. And so we have the combination, in, in our sector particularly, we have the combination of the history of the U.S. labor movement with the living experience of people that have actually uh, uh, directly e experienced what it means to belong to a genuinely fighting union. Estaba diciendo que una de las particularidades de nuestro sector es que uh, combina uh, la historia del movimiento laboral estadounidense con uh, la experiencia actual de trabajadores que vienen de países donde hay un movimiento laboral fuerte y que saben personalmente lo que es pertenecer a un sindicato combativo. You made a, a, a good points again, Diego. Um, um, and, and not only speaking from a, you know, a documented worker, right, from a documented family, from, a, you know, uh, 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 the culture of the United States, uh, pushes that into you to all of us is that you should just be thankful you got a job hmm. and you know and the idea like if you're getting cheated out overtime or whatever that we, I, we just had a family discussion that the other day one, one of my daughters uh her boss worked four hours over to 40 and that's all she's protected by she's not union she is it's a restaurant job and uh uh the boss acted gracious and said well i'll pay you your regular rate for those four hours and i told her girl not in this family, uh, you know. Right. So she just, I said, just find or uh, the state Department of Labor laws, the federal labor laws, and uh, just email her the email her the link. Just don't even say anything. It's like, and you know, this argument that uh, they can't afford to pay you the overtime. It's like, fine, go. I'll go home. You know, the workers don't force um, employers to work them overtime. So, right. so, you know, again, and, and then we all live under all in, in, uh, we all in the United States uh, live with the fear of losing your job if you try to organize your workplace. That is mm -hmm. the, the protections are are uh, a farce uh, for uh, they're, they're just less than zero. Um, and uh, and uh, you know, I, I'll never gain say someone that uh, um lays low because, uh, you know, until you walk in their shoes, you don't know what, what they're worried about. Right, right, right. Um, uh, John uh, estaba dando un ejemplo de cómo los trabajadores en este país están uh, enseñados este, muy jóvenes que uno tiene que, uh, que uno tiene que sentirse uh, muy afortunado por solamente tener un trabajo que, uh, tiene una hija que trabaja en un restaurante donde uh, el dueño le ofreció pagar su tiempo extraordinario a su uh, salario normal. Uh, varias cosas así uh, que se ve que uh, se enseña de una manera muy sistemática uh, tener miedo de luchar. Right, but uh, that is true. But uh, that, that's something that I think it's, it's our responsibility to, to, to begin to overcome. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there is no other option. So especially this past year, I think, has, has showed us that very clearly. Um, sometimes we have to learn the same lesson over and right. over again. Uh, but eventually it just has to, it has to stick. There is no other option, I don't think. Well, the, the truism, uh, but it's just a fact of life, um, uh, as you speak about the need for equal pay for equal work, rights for all, uh, it, we, it has to be advanced for all of us or it's going to be for none of us. Uh, uh, and I just see that politically, 
um, it, uh, it, 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 uh, if we all don't advance, we're just going to again uh, let the powers to be divide us uh, mm -hmm. as they're so skilled at doing. It's a 24-7 operation for them. Right. Uh, one, one clocks out, the other one clocks in. Um, uh, uh, and so uh, that's what we're going to need. Uh, you know, uh, we can stay, we, we should uh, focus on what's ahead of us, but it is interesting times. You mentioned Colombia. Our brothers and sisters are out uh, literally dying in the streets in Palestine as, as we visit here. Uh, Myanmar, um, uh, and th those are just three that are, are in the news if you look. Uh, so um, uh, to me, the clock's ticking on the political establishment. Uh, if it doesn't uh, uh, at least uh, uh, be less of a foe, um, uh, you know, those closest to the throne fall first. You know, it's uh, dangerous times for all. Right. Um, John is saying that se ve la gente luchando por todo el mundo, se hace en Colombia, en Myanmar, en Palestine, en todos estos sitios y que tenemos que realmente avanzar juntos para asegurar que podemos ganar nuevos terrenos. Que esto se refleja en la situación política que se ve también. Sí, yo siempre he dicho, como siempre he dicho yo, que solo el pueblo salva al pueblo. Right. He says only the people save the people. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, we're running running along here, uh, Diego, Jesus. So, uh, um, to re recap or get to, um, uh, to get your firing, uh, you're doing some direct action, you've organized uh, uh, the membership uh across the board, it sounds like everyone that stepped up is partaking, which is the whole goal of a democratic uh, horizontal union. Uh, you have your provisional leadership uh, with, you know, uh, the need for leadership, but with the, uh, with the principle of it's provisional until you uh, further along the democratic process. Uh, well, I, know not, I, I don't want to imply that it wasn't democratic, but as you, uh, form up, it's understood that this will be uh, 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 recommitted. Right, right. Our understanding is that um, yeah. uh, we will act uh, as we have now with a provisional constitution and provisional leading body and working committees that uh, serve the pleasure of the organization. But we're going to, uh, when we reach 100 members, is when we'll schedule a conference, which will... Um, uh, we, we need to have a certain quorum for a conference. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we reach that number of members, it will um, uh, ratify the constitution so it will no longer be provisional. Uh, it will um, elect committees that, again, will no longer be provisional, although I would assume that committees will continue to function in much the same way. And it will elect uh, uh, not a provisional leading committee, but will elect people to define roles like president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, Etcétera. Um, estamos diciendo que en nuestro futuro, uh, cuando llegamos a 100 miembros, eh, vamos a programar uh, nuestra primera conferencia. Tenemos que tener un, un coro para uh, celebrar esa conferencia uh, que va a aprobar la Constitución, es decir, que va a parar de ser provisional, uh, que vamos a elegir a... Uh, oficiales a las posiciones que están enumeradas en la Constitución, es decir, presidente, vicepresidente, uh, secretario, tesorero, y uh, además uh, elegirán de nuevo uh, los comités que uh, seguramente uh, seguirán funcionando de una manera que se parece uh, a cómo están <coughs> conduciéndose ahora. Uh, and so, um, the task for us really is to grow. At the time being. Eh, para nosotros eh, la tarea es, es uh, eh, crecer como organización. Um, we need uh, a wide general body that will be able to uh, bring together the force of the hundreds, if not uh, with luck, thousands of, of restaurant workers. Uh, we see that as uh, essential, uh, particularly because we don't have particularly large workplaces. Eh, esto eh, también es necesario porque... Uh, no tenemos uh, sitios de trabajo que uh, son particularmente uh, grandes. Uh, we will need that force in order to uh, begin to organize uh, small shops. Uh, 
vamos a necesitar esa fuerza para empezar a organizar uh, los locales pequeños que se ven en nuestro sector. And uh, that was in the resolution that we passed uh, not too long ago. Eso estaba en la resolución que aprobamos hace uh, un, unas semanas. And uh, yeah, we're doing everything we can to implement it mm -hmm. as quickly as possible. Excellent. Well, it, once again, it's an honor to, to be with Diego and Jesus. Um, uh, we'll uh, uh, be in touch. Uh, I guess my my gut sense is uh, as the season's opening up, as uh, uh, changes are in the wind, you know, there was the, the CDC just came out with the change on face mm -hmm. mask. We'll see about that. Um, my whole family's been vaccinated. Um, uh, There's going to be a lot of pressure on labor, uh, and it's it's uh, just up to us to work those levers. <clears throat> so again, right. thank you. So uh, Godspeed, and uh, uh, once again, I just love it. So thank you for what you're doing out there. All right. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be on the show as always. KRFP, Moscow, Idaho, 90.3 FM, krfp.org. Check with Labor Lines, Labor Lines, the radio show on KRFP, and Labor Lines, the podcast on Anchor FM and other platforms. Joining me today, the 13th of May, all the way from Augusta, Georgia, via the wonders of technology, is Michael Healan. Michael Healan's with the United Steelworkers, the Georgia AFL CIO, and uh, Service Representatives Union for the Uh, folks that work, uh, that staff, excuse me, staff representative union that uh, work directly for United Steelworkers. I hope I didn't flub that. And as a disclaimer, Michael Healan is part of my, part of the administrative team, as am I, of Labor Lines, a Facebook group, and has been a great help in that. We're about 4,000 members now. And uh, thanks to Michael and the rest, uh, we keep it on the rails. And uh, I consider uh, exemplary of what social media should be. People trying to talk to each other instead of just getting into arguments. So, Michael, I asked you to join me this morning to uh, talk about uh, Joe Biden's uh, 100 days of labor. It is the way I'm putting it. Uh, his appointments, his actions, um, what's in the pipeline that we could hope to see come out in a coherent form that uh, will support all workers in the United States and beyond. And uh, part of that, of course, we could talk about the uh, Protect the Right to Organize Act or PRO Act. But, Michael, I'm just going to leave it to you if you want to add anything to the introduction or just go right ahead and give us your take, please, on, like I say, Biden and labor. No, thank you, John. Uh, it's nice to be here. It is, um, you have a great radio show, a great podcast. Um, there's not a not a whole lot of labor radio out there, so what we do have, uh, we should enjoy. Make sure everybody gets to hear it. <clears throat> so, a little a little else about myself. Um, I grew up in a labor home. I think that's important. Um, my mother was a flight attendant for Eastern Airlines. So I walked the picket line with her when I was a little guy. Um, she filed a grievance in 1980 to get more maternity leave when she was out with me. So so I, I came into life filing grievances. So um, this is really my home in the labor movement, and, and I love the work that I do. Um, but anyway, on, on to... Joe Biden, you know, he's he's putting people into place, uh, putting people from the labor movement into positions. There was a, a gentleman, Jim Fredericks, who went, uh, who came out of the the Steelworkers Health and Safety Department and directly into the Biden administration's uh, into OSHA which is good for us when we have people that have lived union health and safety their whole life. And then they go, go to work for the government. Um, our voices are being heard uh, again with Marty Walsh. I was a little, little skeptical of him because of, uh, 
you know, some of his actions as mayor of Boston, but he seems to be doing a good job at the at, as the uh, secretary of labor. Um, so <clears throat> I'm excited about him too uh, now. Yeah, Michael, I was going to say about uh, uh, Marty uh, Walsh. Yeah, he had some controversy with uh, his tenure as uh, a mayor of Boston. But, you know, you get that's kind of a tough job, I, I'll say, for him. I was skeptical, too. Uh, but you kind of get caught in the middle. It, it's one of the tougher jobs in the United States to be mayor of any city, let alone a big city like Boston. But I saw the other day he kind of put the fear into uh, – Uber and the rest of the what I call the exploitation economy, the gig economy, by saying that uh, those folks should be uh, treated as employees and uh, uh, not as this pseudo contractor status that they've been uh, uh, put into over the decades. Yes, um, and you know, here in Georgia, we we worked against worker misclassification for a long time. The state of house. The state AFL-CIO has done a really good job keeping that in front of the legislature in Georgia. Um, but it, it is nice to see um, see a labor secretary that, that would acknowledge it and hopefully do something about it. Well, and he's, at least he's, and he's bringing it into um, um, the public domain, you know, more discussion on it, as you will. Sometimes... Uh, uh, you see that uh, I think that, you know this serves as uh, uh, some of the best roles they can have because uh, uh, administratively, regulatorily, uh, the wheels turn slowly. But if you're out there talking about it, so I was glad to see uh, uh, Marty do that. And you know, you talk about the people Biden put in, but he also uh, kicked to the curb uh, uh, Trump's. Uh, uh, mouthpieces on the National Labor Relations Board. I think that was within two, three days of uh, Biden taking office. No, the, the first day Peter Robb was in the uh, and I don't think there could have been any stronger symbol or any stronger movement that he could have made for the labor movement. Peter Robb has, uh, you know, as general counsel for the NLRB, he is put out some terrible directives for us. Um, those have been turned around now. We're starting to be able to go back to the board to get things done. Um, <clears throat> so again, I... Yeah, I, I, I just got... I got, got I, yeah. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, I just... It was it, it was good theater almost because they, they were given, what, 24 hours to either resign or be fired. And then he, and then he went down the food chain and got rid of some more. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree. It was uh, it wasn't a symbol because it was an act, but it was certainly a great signal that uh, 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 Biden knew about these problems and the and uh, kind of hit the hit hit it running. Um, but the rest of it um, is going to take time and a lot of effort. Kind of the uh, the tough work. Uh, that makes this world go round, if you will. Uh, he got the stimulus bill through, and now he's proposing some uh, major efforts that uh, we have to work hard on, excuse me, <coughs> to make sure they work for workers. Uh, but uh, the infrastructure bill and uh, is uh, probably one of them, and uh and the PRO Act, but let's, you know, the infrastructure bill is going to be uh, an interesting uh, political field, Michael. I want you to uh, comment on that because uh, we have to, uh, it, we in labor have to make sure that it's going to work for all of us. If it's going to be anything, you call what you want, the Green New Deal, transition, whatever it is, but uh, it has to be all of us or none of us. No, and I agree to and for for our union, we we're mostly uh, you know we have a lot of health care, some higher education, but manufacturing. Um, we've got to make sure that that they're buying American products and union made products uh, to go into this infrastructure bill. You know, we want it want it made with American steel, certainly. Uh, 
<clears throat> we want to make sure that that all workers uh, have, you know, in the Green New Deal, have just transition and immediate transition, so they're they're going from one job to another, not uh, not waiting to find something uh, and getting left out, as you mentioned. Uh, I agree 100% and uh, that immediate transition is something I've been pushing on on uh, on Facebook because uh, both ethically in my opinion my judgment and politically that uh, you just can't ask uh, workers uh, to hold on and maybe something's going to come down the pike um, it's just going to blow up in our face uh, those who realize that we need both that we have to do respond to the changing world um uh, and, uh, you know, it's something that came up in the news just recently, Michael. That's kind of, I'm not throwing this on you, but you might have seen this. I know Conway with the, the president of Steelworkers got involved in this is the wind farm uh, up in uh, Massachusetts, where it's turning out that they're looking at getting the turbines from Europe. Uh, and, uh, you know, some of this... Uh, can be laid on the fact that we really uh, our national industrial policy it was uh, for the last uh, generation or more under democratic and republican presidents has been no policy so uh, we we have a lot of catching up to do uh, where we've abandoned so much of industrial base uh, is what what I would say uh, what's your take you know if, if we depend on politicians to save the labor movement the labor movement is not going to be saved. It can only be done by the workers, by the people. Uh, it's our job to build it. Now, we should fight like hell to push politicians to uh, make good laws for us and, and fight for the PRO Act, certainly, but uh, it's not going to be a savior. The savior is going to come from, from people like yourself and the people that listen to this podcast and working people all over coming together and standing up and demanding a more fair economy for us. Well, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, it, uh, I, I was a hard sell on Biden. I see some real positive uh, notes on him. We'll see. He's obviously early into it, just passed, passed barely past his hundred days. Uh, so yeah, barely got going. Um, he's got a full plate in front of him. I got to say that uh, with everything that's going on now, both in the United States and, and now uh, on the other side of the world, uh, the PRO Act, the Protect the Right to Organize, the most dramatic, impossible, the most dramatic effort to change labor law since, I'm going to say, 1947, when Taft-Harley was enacted, and that was put in to uh, undermine the labor movement. Everything in the PRO Act, in my judgment, uh, will offer the labor movement a chance to advance. Again, going back to your point, uh, they're not going to save us. We're going to have to pick it up and move it along, uh, but uh, it certainly will uh, change the battlefield, if you will. Uh, so uh, give us your take on the PRO Act. But I'll say one thing before I do that. Congratulations to Georgia and folks like you for getting in two Democratic senators from the South that co-sponsored uh, the PRO Act, the moment, uh, pretty much the moment they took their oath of office. And, and just to speak on them for a moment, to uh, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff are not just, not just Democrats, they are true progressives, and they, they campaign on a progressive message here in Georgia that, uh, that usually has not been the way that Democrats campaign in the South. Uh, but they came out and said who they were. People bought their message and they've gone gone to Washington and they're still acting as progressives even after elected. So so I'm encouraged by that and I hope uh, other politicians in the South can see their model and carry on the same way. You don't have to be Republican like to win here. Um you know, Michael, let me, you know, for a while there, I was uh, chair of the Democratic Party in the county I lived in, in Idaho, and that was my argument. And uh, we tried to get some uh, a member of your union, United Steelworkers, uh, uh, the miners up in Lucky Friday Mine, 
Uh, they threw their, one of them threw their hat in to run for a state rep. And he asked me, I said, I'm not the politician or the political consultant, but it seems to me people want authenticity. Uh, they'll respect you more, in my opinion, uh, if, if you say what you stand for and not try to say what you think they want to hear. And uh, I, I think your people down there, Warnack and his, his, his compatriot there, uh, proved that, if you ask me. And another thing we did to uh, we flipped the last the last time the pro act was in Congress, uh, Lucy McBath voted against the pro act. Uh, this time she has sponsored the pro act. Uh, so completely so flipped. That's encouraging too. Yeah. Okay. Let's once again. I'm John Andersen. I'm speaking with well, I consider a friend. Uh, uh, brother Michael Healan calling me from Augusta, Georgia. Uh, Michael is, uh, among other things, a member of United Steelworkers, Georgia AFL CIO, uh, born and bred uh, union. And uh, uh, we're talking, we're looked at uh, Joe Biden, uh, his start towards uh, supporting labor. And uh, and now with the PRO Act, uh, which again would be a, a give labor a better battlefield. Uh, to uh, kind of pick ourselves up off the dust. Uh, right now, uh, uh, it's got through the House again, um, but it is uh, sitting somewhere in the Senate, the best I can say. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I think the infrastructure bill right now has, has more focus with the Senate, um, I don't know. If, I don't. I don't think we can get the sixty votes on the pro act um, unless we really hit um, some of these Republican senators. Um, we've got to got to make calls. Got to get out there. Um, you know, the pro act does some really amazing things. It gets rid of right to work for less, uh, so we're no longer having to. Our, our members are no longer having to pay for these hitchhikers that uh, don't pay dues and still reap the benefits and we still have to represent. Um, yeah, it's, it's just amazing. I mean, if you look at what the product covers, it's 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 pretty amazing, isn't it, Michael? Uh, one, uh, one facet to me that's noteworthy is it will force employers to sit down to the table because, as you would know better than I, uh, you could do the best organizing effort. The workers vote uh, what they want. They want to be represented by a union, by a local, and they get certified that's who their representatives are. And the employer just stonewalls them for uh, years and to the point where there's no contract. And, they, and too often they demoralize the workers and they look through all the blood, sweat and tears, the risks they took to organize. And they, they throw up their hands and say, why was it worth it? Uh, this this pro act would force them to either uh, bargain in good faith or if if I understand it correctly and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, go to arbitration. Yeah, and then you have a you have a contract within the first year. There you go. Uh, whether whether it's by agreement or, or by decision of an arbitrator, you're exactly right. Uh, right, and it, it it gives actual protection to. Uh, uh, retribution against uh, workers who are brave enough to speak out to try to organize a workplace. Right now, uh, the laws protecting them are farce, in my opinion. There's, there's, uh, it doesn't cost the employer a penny, in effect, to throw someone out for their basic human right, in my opinion, human right to have an organized workplace. Yeah, and, the, and, these, and these companies don't care. I mean, they're paying these anti-union law firms; they're paying them thousands of dollars a day. Um, so, you know, they have a small penalty when they break the law and fire somebody now. It's just the cost of doing business for them. I, it's interesting that to see how much businesses fear unions is the millions of dollars they spend every year nationwide opposing uh, their worst place getting organizing. They, they spend more money uh, trying to prevent uh, organized workplace than it would cost them in a fair and decent uh, uh, agreement with their workers. And, it, and it's not generally about money. I mean, you know, they have the money to pay better wages. Um, 
because they, they pay it in fighting the fighting to have the union there. It's about the respect that they don't want to give. It's about, uh, you know, they don't want to give away their authority to the workforce. They want to, uh, they want to tell you what to do and they want you to be a good little soldier and go do it. Right. Okay. Yeah, right. Rule their kingdom. So, uh, Michael Healan, so we're hoping to get that PRO Act. Uh, like you say, it's going to be an uphill battle because, um, uh, we, you know, the, the uh, protocols of the Senate, the filibuster, um, uh, I think we did get something along uh, the right path by getting Joe Manchin to co-sponsor it, if I have that correctly, a Democratic senator from West Virginia, uh, but he was kind of in the weeds on this for a while. Uh, but so much of it's going to be what goes behind the scenes uh, and to make sure it doesn't get weakened if we do get it moved along at all. Yeah, I mean, look, if we could get rid of um, Christian Sinema and, and Joe Manchin, we would have the pro act uh, because we'd get rid of the filibuster. Um, right, right. It's your, yes, so, Michael Healan, you give me your time this morning. I appreciate it. But once again, uh, uh, you've proven down in Georgia that if you get out there, um, uh, move the world wagon up the hill, as I put it, uh, things can happen. We don't always, uh, uh, you know, no, no win-loss column is uh, perfect, uh, but, uh, I, you know, people like you have proven that uh, labor never gets defeated in the end. So uh, uh, I'll let you go this morning, but uh, but uh, any last words here? No, just thank you for what you do uh, to all the listeners out there. Keep fighting and well, the workers will always win. We just have to. We have to keep fighting. It, the, the 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 fate of the workers is in the workers' hands, brother Michael Healan. God bless you. And uh, uh, I think I threatened you once. I got family in Savannah, so one of these days I'm going to show up at your door and we'll go out for a beer. You're always welcome. Okay, brother. Take care. God bless.
mind covering Owensboro this has been labor lines I hope this will be playing on May 25th I'm putting together on May 16th I'm John Anderchek you can find a standalone interviews and entire shows more or less on labor lines the podcast on anchor FM and other platforms going out with the new students covering Warren Zevon's don't let us get sick Let us be brave and make us play nice. Let us be together. Tonight. 